right, Patreon shout out to Drew, Kate, Becca, Donna, Lindsay, Kirsten, Ryan, Taya, Alex, Janelle, Morgie, and Unwoman. If you want to be awesome like them, help support this podcast, help support me. Uh, I've been doing this on my own for uh, four years now. Uh, and you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash isatransphobic or go to Kofi, K-O-F-I. If there's an episode that you heard that you just said, hey, this was great, but I don't know if I can really work on a sustaining membership, that's fine. Buy me a coffee. Kofi, K-O-F-I slash isatransphobic. All right, enjoy the episode. Super quick content warning, the entire uh, discussion about But I'm a Cheerleader is going to revolve around them being at a conversion therapy space. So, FYI. Is It Transphobic will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I am the creator and producer of the Is It Transphobic podcast. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today I'm being joined by... My name's Jan, a longtime friend and frequent or semi-frequent guest. Pronouns are they, them. And we are going to be doing one particular thing today, and that will be... But I'm a cheerleader! Yes! <laughs> unless, unless that's not what you were, you were setting me up for. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not. I was like, I just see what happens, but oh, we can great, edit great. this now, so yeah. now we can! <laughs> Fantastic. So I like immediately I'm I'm curious if you've ever seen this movie before if this is something if this was your first time viewing it or if this is like a, a long held favorite because this is a movie that a lot of people have seen a lot of people really enjoy and really is high on their list of queer cinema so I'm curious if you've had any experience with this movie before. Actually I was really interested in doing this with you because I've not seen this film and I know you're you and I have a lot of pretty good eclectic tastes where even if something doesn't seem like something we would like it will be if it's in a certain wheelhouse of like some kind of adventure or development or if it's some kind of like John Waters campy pop fun like we're into it and seeing this as well was interesting because this is my first time seeing it it came out in 2000 so it still has like all the late 90s stuff to it because obviously it takes like a year to, to film that um mm -hmm. and the sense of and the sensibilities I'll say is a very kind of 90s queerness that I really appreciate where yes. it's not yes and it, it, like I was looking I was really looking hard because I was like I know I've heard about this what is it that didn't bring me into this mm -hmm. and so we're gonna get we're gonna get real intersectional here as me being POC one thing I I guess didn't allure me in like right off the bat was that obviously with a lot of queer cinema it tends to be um narrate around like the cis white male and the experience of that mm -hmm. with the cis white female it's a different story but on top of that it's coming from the opposite angle of like but i'm a cheerleader you are the epitome of what should be heterosexual what should be good and like christian and all that good stuff uh but there's this like tone of like playfulness to it like with the way that they even did let's be totally honest with gender conversion therapy that's what it is let's be totally honest yeah like this whole, the whole movie is about gender conversion therapy 
but it's done in such a way that is like they don't pull away from the horrifying nature of that but man right. the comedy is there yeah like, it's so good it's so good because i think what it does that that that's why i said like queer 90s like like sensibilities too i'm not sure if you're maybe we did talk about this but mm. you know how like obviously kevin smith style like late 90s like we spit back in the face of the status quo mm -hmm. like they're using that to their advantage of like you know this is dumb but we're telling you what you already know like when they go to true directions for the first time and rupaul of all people's like <laughs> i'm michael i'm such a straight man in my bright blue bike shorts and talking about like gender and sex being so interlinked like this is what you have to do and that there is there is like a causality of you deviating from the norm when everybody when you meet them off the bat too they show so many they use the the comedy that's there is using you know the idea of the idea of what straight people think of as tropes in the queer community mm -hmm. but they like turn it on their head where they're like there's so many nuances that you wouldn't think of because if, if you're you're being told a certain story you wouldn't expect this kind of like with Clea Duvall's character and um Natasha Leon that's all I think I, I just know the real answer right now they're going at each other mm. but you expect Clea Duvall being the um, you know Graham like bad girl lesbian you know like woeful soul that she would you know be the first to kind of drop everything and say you know we should run away but she gives up by saying yeah. I can't do it because my, my because of my dad not even just like oh yeah because you know money or whatever it's like because of my dad like your your dad will leave you too that's why your mom left and like that's a legitimate reason that people yeah. stop being themselves so like, what? I want to first affirm that I love this but we are jumping right in <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> yes, everything wait, right so, now. Wait, 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 because we're, we're, let's, yeah. uh, uh, let me, let me, let me really, okay. So. Because I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't want to, like, I don't yes. want you to feel like in any way, shape, or form, like, that is bad. It's just, geez, yeah, we're jumping in. Because <laughs> we're, we're, we have, I agree, we, we just have a certain way of talking that you and I appreciate so mm -hmm. much of this comedy that when we jump right into it as queer people too that's the case um mm -hmm. let's start off with but i'm a cheerleader the <laughs> the opening the opening of like you going right to you as the audience the viewer going right into it with um natasha leon's character being just very very high femme mm -hmm. and like nothing wrong with her in this in the idea of what you know heterosexual gender norms is like she's very feminine she mm -hmm. takes care of herself she has a boyfriend she cares about her family all these things so there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with her and when we are introduced to her we you know we we don't we, we there's nothing pointed out about her that's different aside from her maybe feeling a little bit like not quite right but being regardless of which, pretty happy with her friends and her family, <laughs> mm -hmm. until they're like, you're a homo because you want to tongue kiss your boyfriend. Like, I mean. Like, oh my God, there's so much in, okay. So there's so much in that, A, <laughs> like just in that, that whole idea of like, you are not interested in me. You, you're not showing interest in me, even though you're putting up with these, like, even though they're like very, I don't know, I don't want to say low scale or low, but like, you know, like you're okay with making out with me, but you're not enthusiastic about making out with me. And therefore mm -hmm. you must be gay. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much in that on a like fucked up level, but 
beyond that, like even with that, like the first thing that we see as an audience is a montage of cheerleaders doing things that are just cheerleadery, but yeah. are very sexy because of how they're framed set to the song Chick Habit, which I only, I forgot was in this. I just remember it from Death Ooh. Proof, from Quentin Tarantino's Grindhouse movie, Death Proof. Oh my God, that's <laughs> right. Oh, I totally forgot. But I was, again, this was so 90s and I was like, mm -hmm. I'm just living in a fantasy world where I want to be right now and it's okay. So we're, so we're like immediately seeing that and we're seeing exactly like you said, this like high femme Natasha Lyonne, uh, just doing things that, what I really loved and what I think really speaks to the truth of this piece is that A, she's incredibly high femme. There is nothing about her that is stereotypically lesbian. There's nothing about her that is uh, like in any way, shape or form showing her as anything other than just a character who is high femme. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we are told, no, everyone else thinks you're gay. So therefore you're gay for reasons that we're not really even sure of other than she's she does not like making up with her boyfriend and is thinking about this montage that we have seen of right. the cheerleaders doing their cheerleader thing. Right. And so it's just like, I, oh man, like there's so much in that that I love because lesbians can be high femme. God they damn can, it. They, they, they can. And that's the, that's the other thing too of like the, the montage is that, um, so there's, there are two things that I'm going to, talk about later on but the sort of sexualization of like young bodies first of all mm -hmm. and so in the sh in the show sorry in the piece Natasha is the same age so she sees that differently and her peers see that differently because when it's the adults the adults can easily project and sexualize a child but she is doing that in a way that she doesn't understand because I was actually talking about this with my spouse of like the female mm -hmm. gaze is different than the male gaze we're so accustomed to the male gaze that even those who are femme and like identify as women, understand what the male thinks. So it's really difficult to you know, discern that because even when I went to, it's funny enough, I went to college, I went to high school, I went to high school at a Catholic place. All the cheerleaders would do the exact same things Natasha would, but they're like, oh no, we're not gay though. I'm like, so you guys like can see each other naked and make out and stuff, but that's not gay. That's not gay, but you can point at me and tell me I'm the gay one. I'm like, you're right, but why is this any different? Mm -hmm. And it's the, and that's the the great piece about the montage too is that they're playing with your sense of what the male gaze is. Because even if you are a lesbian, even if you are high femme, you know what they're talking about when you know all the when she has the the sort of like intervention of like you're a homo and um, pretty much you're a homo it's like yeah you don't even like kissing your boyfriend it's like she doesn't you know and like so you understand that with gender and sexuality it's so it's so entangled with what we're told is okay too because cheerleaders on on just a regular basis are sexualized every way so yes. among their own peers it's difficult to discern if that's the case because all the cheerleaders are wearing like the similar uniforms and like they show off like their figure. And obviously the way Natasha is seeing it. Um, God, what is her character's name? I keep saying Natasha. Natasha Leone is a character. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, so, cause Natasha Leone and correct me if I'm wrong. Natasha Leone as a human is straight. Right. I don't remember. But she is like, very it doesn't, gay it doesn't actually matter, but she is a huge gay icon because of this and then later because of Orange is the New Black. Uh, she and plays queer characters with a lot of honesty and a lot of amazing like depth that yes. 
regardless of who she actually is as a human, she's doing an amazing job as an actor because I'm like, immediately I'm just like, is Natasha straight? Because honestly, I don't want her to be and I want her to be attracted to me and her to be my best friend. But like- uh, Both of which we can arrange if she wasn't, if she wasn't, if she didn't right. have the straights, but it's okay. Right. Um, also, young Carrie Mulligan. Can we talk about that? that oh my God, cameo? yeah. I, oh my God. The pixie cut, young, very young Carrie Mulligan. They're like, well, you hug us too much. And it's like, <laughs> and so again, with the male gaze too, mm-hmm. what we mm-hmm. can't discern is that among the, the ideas of gender and sexuality is that the way that we are portrayed as people becomes difficult because if you have any like notion of having uh, just breasts or a vagina of any kind, you are immediately sexualized. So it's difficult when you're a child in that developing kind of stage because they're teenagers, they are children, mm-hmm. um, like 17, 18, they're barely even understanding the world around them. But when it comes to feelings that are supposed to be, you know, personal, it's very much influenced by the people around them, which is used to the comedic effect of like, you know, you hug us too much, you know, you look at us too much, or like, you put your hand under my skirt, you know, mm. all these things of uh, this is considered normal because cheerleaders and anybody found is highly sexualized so there's no way of discerning like do i want to do that or am i playing into a role i'm supposed to because again she's christian she's not supposed to have sex with boys there's nothing in the christian bible that says you can't (laughs) feel up your friends under their (laughs) it's a a classic greek defense (laughs) yeah it's like the it's like we're not gay we're bonding yeah like, no, I'm just finding the highest possible amount of love that I can find with another human, which is with a, someone who is also of my sex. It's like, uh, uh, yes. okay, sure. <laughs> like, as, as, a, as a person married to a Greek person, this is true. I'm like, <laughs> we're, we just, we're not, we're, I'm talking we're in the, the highest sense. level of friends. <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're not having sex. We're, we're enjoying each other the highest level of love and friendship in the Greek world. Just, just... <laughs> just slathering stuff on, you know, That's maybe how... hand, stuff, hand stuff. I don't know. Hand stuff. All right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this conversation yeah, I, has gone in very fascinating directions. That's all just, I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it's just as true as, as a couple of, a couple of homos ourselves. We should know. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. And, I will say, like, me, like my immediate, feelings, okay. yeah. <laughs> my immediate, Dude, say it, say it. Yeah, no, look, like, immediately, as I'm watching this, because one of the things, and we're going to jump really quick, I, I'm going to come back, because there's a lot of things that we need to still talk okay. about in, in some form of chronological order, but, like, yeah. the major structural way this movie is talked about is in the steps of, quote-unquote, recovery from being yes. a homosexual. And the first yes. one is, uh, I took a picture of it. Hold Admitting on. you're a homosexual. Admitting you're a homosexual. <laughs> And my immediate thing, my immediate reaction was to take a picture of it and post it online <laughs> and just say, all right, done. <laughs> out of context. Because it was so funny. But, oh, God. Okay. So, but before we get really in there, we, we brought up RuPaul. Yes. yes. RuPaul is brought in for the intervention. Yes. So, first off, as a trans person, fuck RuPaul. Uh, I mean that... I'm hoping that at some point RuPaul learns and RuPaul becomes much better about this shit. And at the same time, RuPaul has been there longer in the drag community and many trans people have existed in the drag community. But RuPaul has time and time again recently proven that he just is not interested in 
learning any more about the dra- the uh, trans community as part of the drag community, and he right. uh, upholding a lot of power structures that are really bullshit. Mm-hmm. We could do. Yeah, he's- yeah, no, that's, that, and like and like in this film too on top of that we're saying he benefits from this because he can eschew so many things because i have known zero drag queens as type of rupaul being able to make money off of the persona of uh femininity but then in the movie be mm-hmm. paid to not do that mm-hmm. and then still be able to be a feminine character or persona outside of that i know zero drag queens to do that because the ones that are the ones that are not able to have this power structure or even trans women they can't even like be portrayed as trans women they have to pick pick rupaul gets to do all the things both the things whatever it is that he gets to decide so again mm-hmm. fuck that shit and like i had to you know if i had to do that then wow i would be i'd be a happy camper but i'm not not a happy camper but but in that <laughs> particular area no no <laughs> Yeah, but where where I was going with that, and I because like, and we absolutely just needed to put that that out there. At the same time, he really plays the character well. Like he does it with a lot of honesty, and I think that's what throughout this whole thing, whatever we're going to talk about, throughout this Mm -hmm. whole piece, it's done with an honesty that also amplifies when it is campy. Like that, that comedy, that campy comedy is very funny because in the moments it needs to be, it's very honest and it's very true. Mm -hmm. And as much as I have issues with RuPaul, he did this well. Like this, he portrays this really well. And he, there's, I don't think there's anybody else that could replace him. Like obviously speaking, Mm -hmm. as we were speaking of RuPaul as a person separately, as a major player in this, I Mm -hmm. think he handles it with, a lot more nuance because again being part of the queer community i think one of the things that really solidifies us of being a queer community is understanding the idea of the self in terms of other people not just like hey i'm i want to be popular it's like how you see yourself how you see other people and then mitigating that like we have to like hide things we have to mask things we have to pretend to be straight we have to pretend so much that when rupaul is put in this situation because he he is a gay man has dealt with stuff like this and i'm sure has to have had some kind of nuance in that point in time to be like Mm -hmm. all right if i'm going to be doing this there has to be a way to do this to not actually approach like vindictive ex-gay or like just super horny blanche Devereaux ex-gay like there was this (laughs) level of like resisting the want to to boink rock and like you know all this other stuff and Mm -hmm. uh he did a good job of showing that vulnerability too of like not just like you know not like king of the hill style like i'm just gonna spit on the ground every time i see a a hot man um (laughs) He he has a, the wait what really the same hold way. on wait, no, wait, no. wait 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 did I miss context in King of the Hill yeah oh yeah yeah I, sorry I was saying you know how in King of the Hill that yeah. if there if there's some kind of like sexual tension or there's some kind of moment in in lap of vulnerability because of the way that they portray men there's like there's always somebody that spits something or like Dale like always grabs a smoke or like they grab a beer there's oh the avoidance gosh. of it. And uh, RuPaul doesn't do that. For, even for this role, to even pretend to uh, a gay man playing a straight man, essentially. He doesn't even go there because that's his understanding of people like this is show, being able to show that vulnerability in this campy comedy where it's, it makes sense to do that. And I'm just showing you the flip side in King of the Hell where they, 
they don't do that. And in terms of people being vulnerable, they, they do something dumb like that where, again, Hank Hill will never tell his dad he loves him. He's just like, yeah, that's a good nail gun, see? So it's like eschewing all that vulnerability and responsibility. I just yeah, I wanted to get because we're because we're going to be covering a King of the Hill episode later. So I was like, wait, 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 is there something I should be looking for? Okay. Um, oh yeah, no, it's <laughs> there's an amazing oh. episode. We'll all right, we'll we'll talk about it later. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you brought up a couple of the like points that were brought up during this quote unquote intervention, where you know, like, oh, you hug us a little too much, and oh, you're you're not into, you're not actually into making out with me um the other major issues that they bring up that say you're definitely a lesbian is that she has a melissa etheridge poster and and is a vegetarian oh i forgot the vegetarian thing it was, <laughs> i was like looking at the georgia o'keefe pillow that she has and yeah. i just i'm dying <laughs> laughing <laughs> it's like the vagina iconography <laughs> <laughs> Oh I forgot that she's a vegetarian. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and again, like that—that that speaks so much to us as a society because, again, she's deviating and not even deviating that much in terms mm. of eating habits, in terms of all these things. Like this is very normal shit, even in the late nineties. Let's be telling us there's, mm -hmm. you know, occasionally some that's a vegetarian, but that's not like veganism. If you said vegan back mm -hmm. in nineteen ninety-eight, then I'd be like, you are doing something real different. But vegetarian, like Melissa Etheridge, George O'Keefe pillows are another story. And just to state it, like, hey, respect to vegans, respect to everyone at the, at the exact same time. There really was yes. a connotation in the late 90s into the 2000s that if you were very proudly vegan, people had of you. So especially for a piece like this, to make her a vegetarian, but not necessarily a vegan, was a choice. <laughs> yes, and even the way that they pointed out it is interesting because again they're using the campiness and like weaponizing the status quo the way we we're talking about like we know it's right that hey if we don't want pain for other people and extending that onto animals yeah that is a choice you make but then putting it in the context of our stupid binary like gender system makes it funny because you're like it doesn't fucking matter but in this context everything matters so much uh from that to the way that she um, again, is not enthusiastic about kissing Jared, but is um, re like reprimanded for that. It, it, like for one second, I was like, I hope that, you know, she's just like aromantic, asexual or something. So she's like neither. And then it really blows her mind. But again, this is my first viewing of this. Because um, uh, that was my immediate thought of like, she has good reasons to not do these things. But also these are the things that would cause her to do this anyway. Of Like, remember, she's a Christian hence the cross, uh, the crucifix necklace. And she's like, well, you know, of course I haven't had sex with my boyfriend. I'm a Christian. It's like, yeah, that's a good reason because she's raised, raised strictly Christian. She doesn't do this thing, but she's expected to in terms of these gender roles. So that makes her gay versus like, what, what if she legitimately has a choice of like, I'm not really comfortable with him. Or like, again, maybe you're just not into this dude. And maybe he does suck at kissing if he's just like licking the sides of your mouth. Like, Which yes. that kissing scene is so fucking awkward, but boy, is it yeah. like really like ah okay yep <laughs> yep oh like I wouldn't I, I would have pr problems kissing him too because he doesn't look like he's doing it right <laughs> but also just demand demanding it it's like come on mm -hmm. Megan and she's like I really gotta get home mm -hmm. so, 
There's also an interesting thing that they do, and like I know that we're still in the 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 early stages of the movie, but like there is a choice throughout the beginning, throughout Act One, where everyone, Mm -hmm. especially the people in the hallway, especially the people that are accusing her of being uh, a lesbian, are wearing Mm -hmm. the most drab, like. Like, she is the most femme-presenting person, even amongst her cheerleader friends, even amongst her other, like, the other people in her life. She is the most femme-presenting person. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're all wearing brown, and she's wearing these nice bright colors, even though it's still, like, a variation of it where it's, like, a bright yellow or a bright something. But, like, she is standing out as very femme. And, A, that's a very intentional choice, but, B... It's interesting what it is saying because Mm -hmm. like very much like that, like very much like we've been hinting at, there's this expectation and they put it in, in the movie as well. Like there was some, there was some mention of like diking out quote unquote. Um, And it's just this idea that like, you can't be high femme and be a lesbian. But again, like they're showing us this character is the most femme presenting person that we are seeing and yet she is definitely a lesbian right and and the the whole connotation of like um moving obviously going through the the first chapter of the final her finally admitting she's a homosexual Mm -hmm. one thing that i thought was interesting was that in the montage of all the people telling her what's wrong with her basically to make them think that she's gay there's no moment that we see of her so far because again quote uh quote graham she's sweet as apple pie she's raised strictly christian so her thoughts don't permeate outside so she doesn't see the same connotations these people see because she is very high femme she's doing the thing that she does love she genuinely loves being high femme she's not like i have to pretend she accepts that and this is an acceptable role for her in our society but she feels different and they feel different and her enjoyment or lack of enjoyment when it comes to sort of um personal interaction with the opposite sex is the only thing that really like like light bulb moment of like you're right i i am gay because i generally don't like this all these other things could be question mark but that is the main thing is that i don't enjoy this i don't see myself doing this further there's this level of like identity crisis that she goes through that isn't sexual, which I think I, I really appreciate about this movie is not like, oh, I've always been hiding my my wants to do whatever this and that. Like the things she could have done that like maybe hugging somebody for too long, maybe playful, maybe all these things. But the point is that she wants more of that with that particular flavor than this, mm-hmm. rather than like, I had just had sex with a woman and now I am a gay. It's like, wow, this is my... <laughs> My version of me coming out to myself as a Christian who's not allowed to have sexual contact, I understand now, like, further, deeper down what this is. And it's not as clear-cut, because everyone was saying, again, like, what, like the way that she's posed of, like, very, being very high femme, being very good at what she is doing. She genuinely enjoys all these things. So it can be very confusing, because a lot of movies that are in the same vein as this, like, we're saying it's narrated around, like, cis white males, there's always, like, a motive, like, I looked at a boy, and this and that, like, she doesn't have a moment Mm -hmm. like that until she thinks deeper about cheerleading, about the physicality of it, but Mm -hmm. she doesn't, she genuinely doesn't know, because she fits in so well 
with the idea of like high femme woman that should be straight. Like she fits in so well that she doesn't mm -hmm. understand how this could have affected her in this way. So I just, I do want to state to our audience, if, if it was not clear, JN did make finger quotes around the term opposite sex. <laughs> yes, it, like, <laughs> opposite sex. Yeah. yeah, like thank you. Just to make because <laughs> some because no one else is going to have the benefit of having the Zoom video that we are recording on. Uh, but yeah, so the the other thing that I I want to throw out with this, there's a lot of like this whole moment where they've basically put her on a chair in front of everyone else and we're going through who everyone is. So I forgot Dante Bosco was in this fucking movie. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited <laughs> about this because I love Dante Bosco. For those that don't know, he played Zuko Rufio. in Avatar. Also Rufio, Rufio. that's how people Rufio. knew him first. <laughs> You're dead, like, jolly man. <laughs> it's just Excuse me, kid. awesome to see. Uh, yeah, for those that don't have the benefit of <laughs> Zoom video. I'm getting a lot of cat butt in my video, and you know what? I'm here for it. Uh, so, <laughs> so beyond that, so beyond beyond Dante Bosco just existing, um, in this moment, this is the moment that she realizes that she is gay, and I both hate it but also love it because she's in a place now where it's like she is in the worst possible place to realize that she's gay, but at the same time, she's surrounded by a number of other queer and gay folks. And so in that, it's actually a really great place. And oof, I, I just, I have so many conflicting feelings, but oh, like because the movie has the tone that it does, and again, it does not pull punches from a lot mm -hmm. of the, the very real shit, but at the same time, because the tone is very like campy, queer, and fun, I'm here for it. Yes. I'm, I'm weirded out by how here for it I am. <laughs> I think, again, with the, the way that, uh, like what I was saying, like the way that it's put on, it's weaponizing the status quo, they know what you're reaching for or like how the media already is reaching for it. So when they put like more nuance and layers on top of this to make it funny, to make it more. I just acceptable make it more uh make it more palatable to not be like this is this is an awful thing very much like what comedy does it's um it's that of like you love it and you hate it at the same time from the kissing scene to the conversion therapy and um moving on to the same the same chapter when they discover more of themselves by discovering what their roots are what what is the cause that made them gay i love it and hate it too of like I love it that if it were a different conversation of like, what was the moment you realized you were gay in a positive way where people can really sit down with themselves and be like, I understand my own identity now because there was a moment where, you know, I saw somebody and I knew that I wanted to be with him and not in a way that was just a friend, you know, something like that. But they weaponize it to be like, you, you have a root because there's a reason why you're gay and looking at naked boys when you were three is not good enough, Andre. <laughs> you got to sit down. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So one of the, the major reasons that uh, I wanted to discuss this piece, because there aren't any openly, explicitly trans people in the piece. But at Except the same time, one. Well, well, and, and we're going to get to this character, too. We're going to get to this character mm. because 
she never because jan never actually specifically comes out as trans and that's fascinating to me but we, we will be talking about jan i want to talk more about the aesthetic of the movie and the con yes. the the idea of the movie because uh it was brought up in i asked my my facebook following like hey what movies do you want to see and someone brought up but uh, but I'm a cheerleader. And I was like, oh yeah. But someone else who has been on the podcast and like no shade, no et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, like uh, he brought up, he was like, wait, there are no trans characters. Why would you do this one? But okay, I don't know if you can get a full episode out of this. I am here proving we've talked for at least 45 minutes about <laughs> this movie. About not even, not about even, not even, not even about getting there yet. The, can- the character, yeah, not- exactly. This. But so much of it is from a, from a trans lens. So much of it makes sense from that. Like, and specifically this step two, affirming your gender identity, I wrote in my notes is like exactly what TERFs think we think being trans is. In that it's so binary and stereotypical. Like women literally upholding these views of what like, these garbage views of like what is womanhood which is cleaning the floors and vacuuming and learning how to change a baby's diaper and the masculine view of like i gotta chop wood like who chops fix wood? a car fix a car fix a... like like but... you hire somebody else to do that. <laughs> yeah i got triple a there's a reason i got triple a i don't know how to do this shit <laughs> there's a, you have you you have auto insurance because there's gonna be a point where you can't fix that car by yourself masculine yes man. Yes. Yes, that's why you have it. That's why you pay for it. And plus, I know so many fucking trans women who work on cars. Like, there is a, a yes. guest that has been on this podcast who had a job for a little while working on cars who is a trans woman. It's just like, this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying, like, TERFs fucking think. And, like, not just TERFs, but a lot of, but, like, this is, like, whenever someone says, like, hey, I'm finally embracing my trans womanhood. I'm excited to wear a dress and paint my nails that they immediately latch onto and is like, there's more to being a woman than that. It's like, yeah, bitch, I know. I've been trying very hard to become one. God damn it. <laughs> right. and I, I saw a great post that was, um, I wasn't sure if you shared it or another mm. one of my trans friends shared it. It's like, if you see a 30-year-old trans woman wearing like cringy stuff you wore as an adolescent, remember, she never had time to do that mind your own business i'm like yes she never had time to do that so i'm glad you as a turf cis woman got to experience all the things you could but this person who's finally becoming a person has to start from a blank slate of let her experiment god damn it i've been goth my whole life and now i know it's not a phase see (laughs) (laughs) it's like like, this is it it's like nope i'm just always goth that is how i am (laughs) this is me yeah thanks yeah (laughs) <laughs> and let let the, let this trans woman, aka woman, be her be her thing. We all know, you know, little kids have their phases of like teeny bopper boys or whatever being the apple of their eye. Let her have that. Mm. She never got that. She had a, a plate full of confusion and maybe a weird sexual experience with a friend at camp, but that's all she got. Damn it! Let her live her life. Yeah, 
I, I refer to that as the Spice Girls phase of my life, which happened way later than people were listening to the Spice Girls, but hey, way before I, they rediscovered them. So, <laughs> so I appreciate that because I had my hair metal whatever boy phase. <laughs> Again, it's 2020. I had that like 10 years ago. So they were still way stale and out of date 10 years ago. Now, let me have that, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. It's not, it's not any of your business how somebody is developing if it's not, you know, like detrimental to you. So what, like, again, even if somebody is 25 and likes whatever, it's like, what does that have to do with you? Like at all. But because this movie yes. positions this idea of what a gender role is and what gender, this idea of binary gender. And we see that in the background of like, the whole thing feels like an, a piece that was a music video. But the entire thing is like all of the women's rooms are pink, all of the men's rooms are boys. They can only all the men's rooms are boys. All the men's rooms are blue. Oh, blue. <laughs> but yeah, like so much of this is the the upholding of because especially at that time, that idea of upholding your sexuality was upholding your gender, was upholding your sex, was upholding everything being in this locked position of if you were assigned this at birth you must love this person and you must be this gender all of it conflates for these fucking people and so because of that all of the stereotypes still transfer over so for me this absolutely regardless of if we even get to jan or not all of this upholds in a a trans lens yes and I sorry, I just chugged that real. I chugged half a beer because my spouse has the beer. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was also listening. Um, mm -hmm. the The way that it's being upheld too is just the same kind of way that I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get real fancy mm -hmm. with words for a second. So I have oh, another trans friend. We were talking about. Uh, we had. I never. I sorry. I had another conversation with a trans friend of mine we're talking about Cartesian dualism mm. and specifically I didn't know that term but as another person who's in this mix I understood what they're talking about where in our Eurocentric male-centric society uh, Cartesian dualism being that hey the mind and the body are two separate things and that if you go for just one or the other you are inferior or different in some sense so in this film you know how like we can pick at every little thing that makes somebody gay from the way that they wear things like that there's that goth kid there's also graham and you know there was um dante bosco's character and that other twinkie dude that he's together with like we can nitpick all you want and we'll go obviously the first thing people go to is the physicality like how do you present yourself in this physical way and so we are being mocked for things that we're doing but there, but our society says we should be better than that and not do that. Like we're using that same thing. It's the pot calling the kettle black situation of like, oh, you shouldn't care so much about how you present yourself because you're a man. You're not supposed to do that. It's like, but you're forcing him to wear blue. You're forcing yourself and everybody to wear pink on this side. You're you're doing the same thing. So if he wants to paint his nails, why is that any different than you enforcing him to wear blue or forcing her to wear pink? Mm. Like it uses that same issue and problem of like oh decorating ourselves is a only is a human thing but only feminine and like like primitive people or whatever 
Mm. But we're enforcing that on other people to kind of confirm our ideas of like, you're a boy, which is why you can only wear blue. Like, that's the same thing that you're criticizing someone else for. Of like, oh, you're so primitive because you have like, like, uh, only like facial piercings as like <laughs> jewelry or whatever. I'm, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so ridiculous to us because it's like, it doesn't matter. Mm. But the same with the movies like set up in that way. It's a beautiful thing that we can see all the synchronicity, but we're seeing it through a trans lens of like, this is weird, but there's a level of like, there's a level of like conscious like building of this world. These people are only upholding it, but they don't know why they're upholding it, which is also the funny part. It's like, does it matter who cares if you're wearing heels or like uh, Kathy Moriarty's character just planting those fake flowers and it's like, it's, it's fine, it's real, come on. Like around the house is like, we're just gonna put this on the front lawn, real fake flowers. And it's like, that's a great metaphor for all this stuff that's happening right now. There, there's so much about these characters that like very much like what you were you were alluding to that is not necessarily fake but is absolutely like they are trying to not seem gay and all of it like they there are a lot of moments where they call this out there are a lot of moments where they're saying things where it's like you know what reality is but you are trying to figure out how to fake it. And so much of this movie is them learning to fake it and learning to mm -hmm. find the reasons that people believe that they are. Like, and they, they admit that they are gay, but at the same time, they're hoping to find the way to, to stop showing it, to stop embracing it, to stop being there. In, in the gay, right. for lack of a better term. In the, in, in, yeah, in the gay, in the, the gay universe of, mm. of Grayskull, you know, that alternative yeah. universe that we all are a part of. All right, so we have gone quite a long time without talking about Jan. Uh, and admittedly, Jan played a much smaller role in the piece than I remembered. Uh, I really thought that Jan played a much larger piece in this. Uh, and Jan kind of exists as a polar opposite to Megan, who is Natasha Leone's character, which we never named. We just decided was Natasha Leone. <laughs> yes, and you're and you're you're right in that sense. I didn't think about Jan as the 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 polar opposite. You're you're right because I was seeing Jan. And remember how she's first introduced to us as a gay boy. Mm -hmm. gay cis boy and so in general we're just like this is another person that's in this wheelhouse until it's revealed that she's Jana's afab and that you know what she admitted or talk about is not valid anymore and she has to start from the beginning because she has to admit she's a homosexual that's a girl homosexual you know all this other stuff like her, her role is so small but you can infer what happens because they keep switching her over or they try to talk to her in a way because with, with Jan, Jan absolutely affirms that, like, one of the first things that she actually says is she likes balls. And then later, she is questioned about who she is. And so much of it is, like, there, she has a whole line that is, everybody thinks I'm a big dyke because I play softball and wear baggy clothes, but I just want a big mm -hmm. fat wiener. <laughs> yes. Which, she, she she likes no, she remember she says she likes boys mm -hmm. and she likes dicks but she wants one of her own before she like leaves the room crying because she's a realization of like she yeah 
I did Remember, not like interpret crying. that she's the like, same way. Interesting. Okay. Oh, because I, I saw it in that way of like, that's her moment of realization, her root, but in a different way for herself of like, I identify with femininity. I do like this energy. I do like men. But then she's saying too, like, wait a minute, I like men, but also I want to be a man on top of that. It's like, so. Is that what she said? She never, she wait. never. She, let me, let me pull that up yet now. And I was just like, yeah, let me pull up Jan. But I remember thinking, cause this is the first time I'm seeing it. I'm like, wait, did she say what I think she said? Uh, but I'm a cheerleader. Let me look up Wiener. Cause A, I'm let me, let me just Jan put a, me. let me just put out a statement that if, if that is actually what Jan said, I apologize for using she, her pronouns for Jan, but I, I read like the way I heard that and the way that I th interpreted that was, I want a big fat wiener inside me. <laughs> oh, no, that makes sense. But that's the thing too. We don't know if Jan is non-binary or not either, which is why I'm like, right. she, if she identifies with the femininity, then mm. that's the case. Wait, 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 let me, like, I pulled, I, I did. Yeah, no, okay. no, no, please. Um, okay. Maybe I misheard the last part because I'm seeing everything that we both said up to here. It's like, I mean, so Jan says, I mean, everything's on this big dike because because I wear baggy pants, I play softball, and I, I'm not as pretty as the other girls, and that doesn't make me gay. I mean, I like guys. I can't help it. I just want a big, fat wiener. And then she starts to cry. But according to, according to IBD, IBDM, it says, I just want a big, fat wiener up my. So I yeah. think I didn't hear the last two words. I just heard, I want a big, fat wiener. And I'm like, both of which could be interesting. So, because yeah. again, because yeah, because she never really talks about we never really see Jan's preferences in anything. We're, we're just like, this is just like, yeah. Yeah. Like Jan, Jan visually exists in the movie, but really doesn't talk a lot. There's only a couple of lines. And like, one of them is admitting that like, she likes balls. And the other one is talking about wanting a big fat wiener inside of her, which admittedly is not necessarily like at the time they creating the movie were not thinking about this. I guarantee you, maybe mm -hmm. I'm wrong, but I guarantee you they were not thinking about this from a genitalia does not define your your gender. But at the same time, like yeah, like a lot of people could have a big fat wiener, and it's not necessarily just men. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, like. I, I really like that's why when I when I was giving you a little bit of pushback on that I was like wait a second because Jan absolutely like I feel like they were creating Jan in a way that felt more mask in presentation but absolutely was like a straight female who just presents mask. Obviously I appreciate the pushback of like just uh, elaborating more on this because to me and to us now like you can present however and you can be whatever you are but that doesn't make you part of the binary still because mm -hmm. again like even if even if jam presents this way it doesn't compute on the level of binary that is mm -hmm. and on top of that when i didn't really know too much about jam and we don't really know how much they identify with any of the genders mm -hmm. in terms of like uh we didn't we nearly we don't really get to hear Jan talk. So in my brain, I was like, this could be interpreted anyway, because there are plenty of, again, the, the, the other gay boys that Jan is sitting to, sitting next to, like wieners 
And mm -hmm. so, and <laughs> so like the other question too is the bisexuality could be an, uh, an equation in this, but because it doesn't compute on the binary anyway, Jan's character has to really cut it short to, and leave us kind of wondering because mm. if they're making fun of gender in this movie, if like sex equates to gender and biological gender is a very absolute thing, which it is not. Um, mm. <laughs> Jan doesn't compute on all of these levels. So for me, that left more interpretation for Jan because for the longest time I was hoping Jan was just asexual, presented mask, and because they still don't fit in the binary, would be an interesting character because they're like, I don't really care. You know, like I want one, but I'm not really into doing hand stuff with people who have these things, <laughs> which would be interesting and fair in this world because even down to the wire, when we see people present as they present, it could be anything. Because with the goth, uh, the goth lesbian girl, well, I'm like, like you could be anything. I don't know. Maybe it could be my lens of somebody being alive right now. But anybody in that room could be bisexual and would still be in the same place because it doesn't compute on that level. So even if you could mask yourself to be like, I am now only strictly into dick, you're still denying a part of yourself. Having to play certain roles and can't do things with certain people. So that, that was my interpretation of Jan, which is also, again, the only character who I, I feel like is a question mark and can be interpreted as trans, can be interpreted as just somebody who's not of like the spectrum, I'm sorry, somebody who's of the binary and is more on the spectrum of like sexuality, presentation, uh, gender identity, because we don't get to hear a lot about them. But, but again, like what we're saying, because they're, everyone's trying to fit into this binary kind of world, mm -hmm. Jan would still be in the same place. So if like Jan just doesn't belong. Yeah. No, and I, I think, because I think, I think that's sort of where they were going, which is why I, I, I proposed Jan as sort of the polar opposite to Megan, this idea of like mm. this person who is presenting, seeming like, and regardless of, and Jan very well may be a non-binary person, Jan very well may be, mm -hmm bisexual but at the same time like jan has expressed a very specific preference for penises and as a yes. result because jan is looked at as butch jan is looked at as this person who's wearing like masculine clothing or like what is perceived to be masculine mm. clothing and cutting their hair in a perceived to be masculine way but yes. is still very much afab and attracted to uh and seemingly attracted to men especially in this time period, especially in this place, it's fascinating where it's like, no, there is nothing about Jan that would make people think that she's gay because she literally just like has a preference for fucking men that like, right. but because of how she presents, it is this idea of like, you are, well, you must be gay. You must be butch. And it's just like, well, yeah, I'm butch, but like. That doesn't mean. Yeah. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's a lot of like pushback on that that I love, like <laughs> right. And and you and you've enlightened me to that. I didn't think about her in that way because the other thing too is that when you're friends with a lot of trans, I'm gonna <laughs> just throw out more trans friends that I have. So I have a friend who's a trans woman, and mm -hmm. she's worked with computers her whole life. Mm -hmm. And so one thing she taught me when she was teaching me how to fix computers, which is our millennial version of fixing cars now, mm -hmm. is that she told me remember. <laughs> In the binary world, even in the binary world, there is the the, the middle like nothing like in the, even the binary system of you know coding zero one zero zero one. There's a zero, there's a one, and the combination of which creates this idea of like negative and positive. 
But remember with humans, there can just be someone that's like right in the middle and presents as such, even within the heterosexual, it's still fitting in, but it's still not a value, AKA a zero. So you can be both, you can be neither, you can be one or the other in the binary system if we were even going by that, which it's not. And in our queer world, we, we know that already. But in this movie, I saw that and like my, my friend's teaching really stuck to me of like, I didn't perceive anything yet until you brought up like, oh shit, you're right. Wiener stuff, but also for me too, I'm like, there's a lot of people who just like wieners. Like yeah. some people just even like the look of wieners. Like I don't want to touch it, but like <laughs> the structure. Yeah, that that is a structure. <laughs> it's just, this is a structure. Yeah, no, and 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 especially like with that lens of this was a very not. I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, you know, at the time it was, but at the same time, like, yeah, no, at the time, writers of that period were looking to these things, mm-hmm. and I think it was really intriguingly progressive that they were creating a character who very much like both was a high femme cheerleader who was a lesbian but also a high mask character who is afab but also not like but also not technically a lesbian either like not at all but at the same time like again we're we're looking at that from that period where it's just like oh And I feel like Jan is the first character I've seen who is explicitly like AFAB mask, AFAB mm-hmm. dyke oriented, but is not actually lesbian. And it was just like, ah, mm-hmm. at least in media. Like I've known people. Like, yes. you, you know, like you've met yeah, people, but you've not seen it in media. <laughs> and if you've not seen it in media, it's a very different mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> I, I agree because there's so much that we let slide but we don't pick up on until later and this movie makes it a point to be particularly posing themselves in the situation of like what if this person who is technically heterosexual which is the whole point of like you have to be into somebody who has different gametes than you're like okay that's fine that's how we're defining it fine but the way they're going about this and the way that society does is that every little thing about you has to scream i want to reproduce with somebody with an egg or something or whatever is the right the right way to reproduce um oh, and want to reproduce with somebody <laughs> Ooh, yeah i just want to hold your gland girl i really want to hold your gland but the two different songs that's not copyrighted right that's fine i mean yeah i mean lots lots of things yeah, are copyrighted. The most, whatever very non-binary i just want to hold your gland that could be a lot of things and everybody i went whitney you went one. beatles how did that happen all right uh i mean we're we're gay we're both gay it's yeah, gonna be yeah, in the that's, wheelhouse that's what happens that's what happens the beatles are also very gay whitney Houston is right, gay icon what? the beatles is like wait the beatles the beatles <laughs> is throwing me okay like I feel like the Beatles in their Yellow Submarine era, you know, where they're kind of experimenting I mean, they do all live in a Yellow Submarine. There's got to be John Lennon fucked a guy on a boat. What? John Lennon fucked a guy on a... Yeah, he fucked a guy on a boat. You didn't remember that? No. Yeah. Oh, look it up. (laughs) It was illegal to to be gay in the 60s in in London. He supposedly spent a weekend on a yatch with a boy some other adult male colleague and they're like we didn't fuck we're like yeah we totally fucked but he's dead now so we can't confirm or deny but remember uh buggery was illegal in in london in 1962 so whatever happened happened on that boat between him and this man 
So that's why I'm like, gay. This is gay. I did not expect. Okay. <laughs> we, we're going to have our own separate conversations. <laughs> this is recorded, but we'll have our own separate conversations. But uh, yeah, with, even in the movie itself, they use a great, like, I, I'm glad this was made in the 90s because in the 80s, if they tried to make this movie, it'd be very confusing because remember Boy George was bisexual or straight? Like, that would never happen. That's another um, man. Fuck and that with man, all the glam anyway. rock boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I, you were correct. Yeah. And yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck that. He has too much money. I don't give a shit about what he has to say about anything. In this hey, movie. Yeah. <laughs> so back to this movie. Because yeah. oh, oh, we don't yeah. need to talk about yeah. Boy George. <laughs> no, we. Whomst? Yes. Um, whomst indeed. So, it, <laughs> whomst indeed. And uh, he would not be, his music would not be played at the cocksucker. And so we all know that's the case, mm-hmm. which is great. They, there's, a, there's a level of like um, really, because they're weaponizing the status quo, they're doing a really good job of really prodding the audience with even provocative things like having a rainbow colored fucking club called the cocksucker out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to be like, this is where they pop their like, I'm going to be out and about, Cherry. There you go. All right, I'm with like, that. Out proud. That I can get behind. Yes, because this is... <laughs> Because you, when we first get see the kids finally like let loose because of Larry and what's his face, they go around picking up all those kids from True Directions and being like, yep. "You get to have a choice. Go to this gay club." Um, we see that it's very in your face, and you see so many representations of different kinds of couples, except for like they're all cis. So there, there's a lot of like butch lesbians kissing, gay guys kissing, and when the kids first like go out and they're like first like big night out there is a level of recalibrating who they are because now now they're not forced to be in an environment where they have to uphold anything and it's kind of like watching it's like kind of watching a a cult or like a fawn walk for the first time it's a little wobbly but once they get into it they get into it like with andre and his feather boa he didn't even really know how to dance because again he was super like discouraged to not do that but as soon as he gets on the dance floor with the with the feather boa it's not like he's a fabulous dancer but there's this moment of just joy and enthusiasm for what he's doing because now there's no expectations and everyone's like cool do your thing we'll give you space to do it even if you're illegally drinking or whatever like do your thing we know why you're here yeah so it's a it's a good feel good feels for that i i really dug the xx gays um (laughs) larry like i i dug them but also I hate to say it, but like I feel like I've definitely been in that house where everything is so over the top that it's just so almost like, for lack of a better term, annoyingly gay. But at the same time, like I've been there. I've been in the like rainbow house. I've been in the like place where it's like, like Dante Bosco. We see him again because he got kicked out of the the whole thing. Um, yeah. Like he got kicked it's out like, of the, the conversion therapy house, and he's living with the XX gays. And he's wearing a rainbow suit because, of course, he is. Because, <laughs> fucking, why not? That's his jammies. Yeah. Because I'm a gay boy going to sleep. And in that house, too. Can we talk also about yes. the way that Larry and I forget the other guy's name. Yeah, but La- the, the XX gays. Mm-hmm. So the conversation they have, remember when Megan is actually kicked out? And so she makes the choice to live her truth, even though Graham holds back because she loves her dad and just to, and, and just to be clear like and this was the thing that really got me was prior to that we learn the stakes that if megan cannot 
not be gay, she will be kicked out of the house. And uh, you have she, no place to no place to go. Yeah, not which, e- not even money. Mm-hmm. Like she will not be given money. She will not be given anything. She will just be kicked out of the house, and that really admittedly like like and this is some of the moments like there are some gut punches in this movie uh and that was like and again like a lot of it is played for a lot of the movie is played for laughs for cathartic reasons but the the real state the stakes are very real um and so she is kicked out nothing nowhere to go so she goes back to the ex ex gays house and she asks, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's totally cool. She, she essentially asks, uh, let's see, hold on. I'm trying to find it. Cause I wrote it down because I thought it was hilarious the way she put it. Um, essentially like, uh, yeah, I was just wondering, uh, I thought you could teach me how to be a lesbian, what they wear, where they live. And that absolutely, if you don't have any other reference, it's just like, I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to wear? Where am I supposed to be? What am, who am I? Like, so much of this is her trying to affirm who she is, which she does at the end by doing a cheer. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yes, that absolutely still is gay. Mm-hmm. You're just doing a gay thing that is not a specific thing that you can Google. <laughs> right right and her parents um because of their overbearing nature anyway on her she has to recalibrate all this and remember she doesn't have any money so if you were you know we're all adults listening to this like you you and me particularly ashley yes. if you and i <laughs> broke up with somebody yes please um if you and i broke up with somebody which is the equivalent of not living in the same house as the people you've known we have means to uh, because we've had our independence with our own finances, we have a means to like kind of reconfigure ourselves, whether it's getting a shitty apartment, but still doing the things we love because we know we've been able to explore that. She has not been able to do that. And she mm-hmm. gave up everything for a girl who couldn't give up everything she had because uh, Graham's uh, own issues is that she sounds like a, a kid who comes from a lot of money, but never gets to benefit from anything because the parents, you know, fight over it. You know, she has a stepmom that's like using emotional, like just triggers against her of like, you know, your, your mom left, your dad's going to leave if you're actually gay. So her stakes are pretty high too of like, you know, she does get money. She gets cut off from people that she loves so much. And the only people she really knows, because again, Graham doesn't have any friends. So her mom and dad are the only people she's got. She doesn't like her stepmom. And if her dad's really upset about this, she stands to lose everything too. And we expect Graham to stand up because she's the bush, but she doesn't. She's uh-huh. very sensitive and emotionally intelligent of like, I care too much about my own family and I'm not gonna pretend that it doesn't. Like I know uh-huh. what's at stake for me. And so they both do that on the opposite ends. And just to, just to throw this out, potentially, if there are younger listeners listening, if you yes. feel in a similar way that you have to stay in a closet because you are worried about finances, because you are worried about uh, like your home situation, you are worried about things, that is absolutely still valid. And when you are able to finally explore who you are and understand who you are, absolutely, like you are still valid but at the same time it's like yeah no those those stakes are real and i think that's again part of where this movie has a lot of strength is 
the stakes for Graham are real. The stakes, like, as much as, oh, I'd love to have a trust fund at the same time, like, yeah, like, if Graham, if Graham embraces her homosexuality, she will lose her trust fund. She will lose everything. That's not nothing. That's and I think everything, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's her that's her everything. That's her world. And mm-hmm. uh and I agree with you, whoever's listening who's also in the same position, I've literally been in that same position until I was ready to leave. Until I was ready to say, hey, maybe as an adult now, because again, Graham's seventeen, she hasn't even finished school, she has no skills, nothing. And it sounds like from what's inferred, she has a history of not great experiences with family or like maybe she's dealing with more like illnesses or mental illnesses because remember she moves around a lot she doesn't have her mom for some unknown reason that her stepmom is using against her like she has a lot that makes her feel alienated already this is another layer where if she embraces this alienation she stands to lose everything and any kind of past or future she has is gone because that's her entire world she has no one else yeah, and and this is this is why I keep going back to this movie and saying there are so many good things about it. There are so many good things about it, and like the, like and part of it is because the stakes are real. As much as there's a lot of campy humor, and there's a lot of campy humor in this, but like oh yeah. Ah, so there are three points I want to hit, but we really need to start wrapping up. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the main points being nothing screams straight like a blue pleather suit. <laughs> oh man, like you, you know, like that, the bright. That, that's pink. what we call the straights. <laughs> like if, you, bright... if you've really got the straights, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Sorry, just like the, the pleather note. No, that's fine. <laughs> it's just like, look, okay, the bright pleather pink skirts or the bright pleather pink graduation dresses did not clock like it clocked as weird but not actually weird the blue pleather suit is just like that's too much like you're trying too hard that's, to show straight <laughs> like, yeah that's like that's you're trying to be like fancy all denim but all denim is like also very gay so they're trying to go for the opposite of like yes. oh we're we're powder baby blue pleather on a bunch of adolescent boys. Make it a suit. Okay. Yep. <laughs> make it a make suit. It, not even a make it a suit. Not even a good suit. Just a suit to show that I have wide shoulders and I could be a quarterback if I really wanted to. I love how Natasha Leone's accent screams out of her when she cheers because she's got a very pronounced, I don't know what the accent is. I think it's New York, but like whatever it is. Yeah, it's I feel like very, it's very Long Islandy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very- like you've like listener you've watched a natasha leone piece you know what i'm talking about it's like she's pretty decent at hiding it throughout this piece until she cheers and then it's like no this is clearly natasha leone (laughs) and can we talk about how the the speaking of the cheers and the way that she presents herself i think it was always an interesting choice for natasha leone to be this character because she's this was early on in her career. This was before she was solidified as saying, this is the thing that solidifies her. I think what something that's really interesting is that her voice is like kind of raspy and husky, but she hides it really well. But until she gets really like 
down or something, you don't, you don't really hear. She's like, oh, you know, I just, you know, Jared, you know, this and that, kissing him. But then when she talks to her, she's like, come on, you know, you hear that, you know, that little bit of that rasp, something (laughs) that makes her not high femme, but something that slight makes her not high femme because her character and overall appearance is so high femme. She's like extra blonde bond in this movie and she's got like the the sort of like 60s kind of like bump it kind of hair mm-hmm. like to prove how luscious and long her locks are um but yeah that like it screams out of her of like husky long island you know um <laughs> cheering for you cheering for Graham, my girl my dreams you know and like, yes i love you i want you to do it i fucking I love, love you, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just fate. This is fate. Come on, Graham. Who you got? <sighs> what else you got? Come back with me to Long Island. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, and the accent and the huskiness so of her voice. <laughs> I do. I love, I love her, her too. So much. And she's and she has that even happening during all the stuff, like there's that that honesty that comes mm-hmm. through of like yeah, like with what you wouldn't expect from a cheerleader, you wouldn't expect from a mm-hmm. lesbian, whatever, straight girl. This is high femininity and maybe something that's different like that, that makes you think like, we, we're we putting all of these things on her. Because <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Natasha is a straight. So then, so then. I'm fairly know, certain like, that's true. Yeah. That, we could Google it. I, I mean, you might be. I, I'm, <laughs> I will right now just to confirm. Is Natasha Leo straight? <laughs> yes, uh, straight well, question mark. While you're googling that, I will. My my last point is, I really love that sort of not post credits, but that like post immediate credit moment of the father being proud mm-hmm. that his daughter is a lesbian, and yes, like it was one of those things that. I'm here for that, especially because he and the mother character stated that they would kick her out of the house. There's like, there's a lot of things about that. And, you know, the mother is decidedly in sunglasses and in a like covering and is still a little embarrassed, but she showed the fuck up. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot about that scene that is um, like, I honestly, like, I don't know from the production standpoint how much of that, like, it almost feels inorganic, but you know what? I'm here for it. I love it. I love because we don't actually see their journey. We just know what the outcome is, and the outcome is that they are incredibly supportive of their daughter now. Or at the very least, he is incredibly supportive, and she is on the road to being there, because that felt so realistic. Yes, because that's, that's, uh, I, Natasha is a straight, just a little sad, that's okay. Um, Admittedly, that, still respect to Natasha, I believe all of the gay characters she plays, love her very much, continue though. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, especially with the way that it's portrayed, and even though it's like campy, it's campy overtones, and the sort of ending that it gives, it gives us more, even if they're using that, they're using it in a way of like, this is part of a reality for somebody. It doesn't necessarily have to be you, but you know what this is. Because the fact that we've picked up on these things, these moments of like the gut punches, or even if we didn't have the gut punches, we can empathize with somebody like her. You and I have never been uh, 
dangle the, the carrot of trust fund in front of our faces, <laughs> but we understand the importance of this being somebody's whole world, aside from like the family itself, the means to support oneself when they don't have, they're in a vulnerable position and being confronted with a choice of like, change your whole life now so that you get all these things, or you will have to start all over again, even though you are an adolescent child who has no skills, who has nothing, you, there's no way to rebuild all this. You have to make a choice. And I really appreciate what this movie also did in terms of choosing, choosing the right actors, I'll say, because Natasha mm -hmm. Leone and Clea Duvall do a great job, but even everybody, including Dante Vasco, who are in the, the sort of like purview, there's a level of believableness to it of like, yeah, there's like a very high femme, like cis gay boy that's like gonna be pointed out. I'm like, haha, this is kind of funny, but there's everybody else in the in-between that's kind of get question mark. Because even with like Joel or what's his face, the I am a gay Jew boy, you know. <laughs> he mm -hmm. he he says that. But like outright too, if I saw him, if I met him and he's just like slightly more conservative or effeminate, like he could be anything. He could be straight, he could be bisexual, mm -hmm. but because he doesn't fit in the same wheelhouse, he would still be thrown in, like we were saying about Jan too, of like mm -hmm. uh watching this in the lens of like oh this is what was going on in the 90s but also looking at it through trans lens looking at it through like lens of now like we're still dealing with these same problems with the same nuances of this of like you're neither but you would be put in a gay conversion therapy camp because you are neither of like we don't know how to understand you because we don't want to and so that flips the script too with also um what is Kathy Moriarty's character's name? The, the the woman who runs the True Directions place? Oh, I don't remember. But yes, the, the operator of, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's moments of her definitely being gay too. Let's be totally honest. Like her looking at uh, Graham while they're doing the thing and like they're like cleaning and it's like, yeah, put your back into you're gonna No, no, when they're doing she the, the sexual lifestyle. Like, yeah, like she was way <laughs> more subtle about it. Rock, Rock was not. <laughs> like rock was no, no. yeah he's like they studio 54 gay mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like <laughs> agador spartacus gay like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we really need to start wrapping up uh the only thing i will i will throw out about that is also i think what it does is because the ending itself if we don't look at the post credit mm -hmm. if we just look at the ending it is a really affirmative graham and megan kissing and driving off and off into the sunset which is good and sounds good but at the same time they've lost fucking everything that's not the end of the story and this not only this this father saying that he's proud of his gay daughter is not only affirming things but it also sends the message to the audience if you are watching this if you have estranged yourself from your child because of queerness if you have, there's a lot of things. There is still a road to redemption. There is still a road to recovery. There is still a road to being open to your child who you absolutely should love. And mm -hmm. it's, sorry, I'm getting very emotional about this, but like, <clears throat> but really like it, it, it as a movie does in a very, not subtle, but like a very nuanced way and a very quick way have the ending that it needed to, but also allow for 
an ending that is maybe a little bit more uh, ideal is a little bit more uh, like optimistic. Yeah, like, this could. Yeah. Yeah. I. I, I agree, because I was going to say, too, what I took from this as an ending note is that I've seen so many parts of myself in each stage of this, because mm. uh, already, whatever, got, I went to I went to Roman Catholic school. Look at all this black I'm wearing and all this other shit that you cannot, all this <laughs> stuff that you cannot see, viewer. Dear viewer and, and dear listeners, you cannot see the full, uh, like, glory that is my room. Just to throw I this out, amazing in, casual goth is what I'm looking at right now. It's like, yeah, just like casual goth. Lazy room. goth. Um, yes, hello. I'm, yes. <laughs> I, I, I've sipped my libations already, so you cannot see the goblet and her chalice that I own. Um, mm -hmm. That I, in this movie, as now um, we're, we're moving on into a different stage of our lives. And so you and I are in we're not in the same like decade, but we're in the same stage of like mm -hmm. post, post discovery queer, like new discovery, but we're still discovering mm -hmm. things about ourselves, but we're past the stage of being kicked out. We're past the stage of all this. What I liked about this movie too is the XX gaze because mm -hmm. that's actually the stage I've been in. Ever since I got to New York City, I've been a Larry in somebody's life of like, I don't know you, but I want what's best for you because I can empathize. I don't have to be your relative or giving you money, but I'm giving you support in that this is the right thing to do. And like the campy moment they have of like, um, Megan finally coming, like, again, I I'm a lesbian, you know, how, how do I be a lesbian? All this other stuff. Mm. And Larry is like, uh, well, the, the taller, the taller XX game is like, <laughs> school, so we should take a look at that. And Larry's like, not now, honey. And so they have a disagreement, but in a very stereotypical gay fashion is that they, they duke it out of like, yeah. let's communicate, of like, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm, it's not that I don't invalidate your feelings. It's just that we just have to wait for the right time because I do care about what you have to say. We want yeah. to give you know, Megan her time to do her thing. And I was thinking to myself too, that's my happy ending as somebody who is married. And that was very much a conversation I've already had with my spouse of like, <laughs> and it's not the right time. It's like, it's not that I don't invalidate you. Smooch, smooch, I love you too, honey bear. You know, I, that is, this gives so many endings for people who are in different stages of their life of like, mm -hmm. you can choose to be the bitchy, like I will reject my queerness and like mm -hmm. make it your mission. You can do that, but remember how you're being portrayed in your own life of like mm -hmm. being an authentic, you could be an XX gay. You could be somebody who's finally discovering how to be on their own two feet uh, with queerness in mind and not deny that part of you. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a good movie that see, that kind of like, it takes a little peek at a little bit of everything. And, but, oh yeah. God, we got to wrap up. But, like, I really want to talk about the, the point that you brought up about the XX gays having an argument because I feel like for the straights, and I do love you, the listeners who are the straights, but, like, <laughs> I feel like part of that was for them to see that, like, queer people, gay people have a tendency, like, they can have arguments, too, but it also showed a very, uh, like, as much as it was a little strange, a very uh, uh, positive way for two people to have, two people in a relationship to have an argument, get past and it. Have, have, yeah. And have, yeah. A, and, ha and have a conversation because, again, the whole topic of them even disagreeing 
was that there was a point to it. And then they bring up the point again of like, we, they're both trying to help out Megan and neither person is invalid. Um, and remember that they're, they're equals in this in marriage and as partners, because remember what they're taught is that someone has to be dominant. And if someone's too domineering, that's a woman ruins your life. But in this equation of these two people doing something that's not for their biological kid, not even for them, they're having a disagreement, but nobody mm -hmm. it comes out a winner. Everybody yep. wins in the way of like, hey, let's, let's get our goal done or met together. And as somebody who's, somebody's married, spouse, gay, all this other stuff, mm -hmm. I'm like, I see that. I could be a Larry. Maybe I am the Larry of your life. Yeah. So just to weirdly bring up the uh, Fox Network version of The Tick, not the cartoon version, the live Patrick Warburton version of The Tick. I love Patrick Warburton, but still, I, I haven't been able to watch it because I'm like, I don't know about Fox, man. <laughs> Look, okay, watch it, but at the same time, it's it is what it is. It's only a season. Just 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 watch it. <laughs> uh, but yes, there's a, a whole episode about like the superhero and their um, sidekick and the idea of it becoming a duocracy. And this has absolutely been a, as much as it was a joke and it's ridiculous and so much of it, there are so many gay undertones to the Fox Patrick Warburton tick. But like my, my partner and I have often looked at the term duocracy as absolutely like how we look at our relationship. And that is, I feel like that is 100% how everyone, regardless of your sexual orientation, regardless of your gender, regardless of your partner's gender, should view their relationship is a duocracy. <laughs> so, There's two of you here right now in this room and your two relationships because one-on-one -on -one is... And adapt that if you're poly. It, That's it, totally it, like, you know, it, respect it, to poly yeah. relationships. Yeah. At the same time, like, if you're in a monogamous relationship, it should be a duocracy. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that, and I, I very much agree with that. And like, I like that that was shown too, because I'm sure 20 years ago, everyone was a little bit confused by that of like, wait, so no one wins this argument. And now mm -hmm. 20 years later, we see that that is in fact a healthy way to handle something. Mm -hmm. And especially since they don't, they don't push it aside because no one has to dominate over this or domineer the conversation or subject. They put it to the side where it's like, now when we're both ready to talk about this because there are external factors, like the girl we're trying to help, she should be ready to dish out these options and no one should take over her life. And the character of Megan becomes more of a real person now because she's figuring herself out for herself now. Nobody's like, I'm gonna take you under my wing anymore. Now it's like, you get to choose and pick up from here the way you want to pick up because you've asked the question of, you know, <laughs> how do I be a lesbian? What do I wear? Where do I, you know, where do they live? Like now you will get that answer and mm -hmm. you will get to make that choice and not like you have to live here X, Y, Z. Like you have to get on your feet. So you make these choices mm -hmm. yourself. I wish that they verbalized there's no real answer to those questions, but at the same time, they kind of implied that. Uh, that said, we really got to wrap mm -hmm. up. <laughs> I love yes, talking yes. to you. you and I can at the same time, go we got to wrap up. Too. So, Let's ask the questions I always ask. Uh, first off, yes. uh, but I'm a cheerleader. Was it transphobic? I don't think so, but I think there could be a better, there could always be better interpretations and understandings of trans folks. But the way that this is portrayed as a comedy, they're poking fun at the fact that we don't know. And, and in, that, in that case, I don't think it is. 
because of that very question they ask us. Yeah, I I will say there's a lot of weird gender shit that um, could veer on the <laughs> could veer on the sense of because there are people that that feel like if you show transphobia the piece is transphobic i don't necessarily agree with that statement but at the same time if you do feel like that then yes there's probably a whole bunch of things that are a part of this that you will look at as transphobic at the same time it's shining a light on a lot of weird gender shit that may not necessarily state trans people at all but at the same time is very like binary as hell uh and mm -hmm. i i think that it deals with that criticism very well. <laughs> Hello, Kitty. Uh, I feel like it deals with that criticism incredibly well, and I recommend it highly on a trans lens status. Uh, now, the question right. then becomes, did you enjoy it? I very much enjoyed it, and I very much enjoyed the more refreshing take on um, queerness in the sense that with the campiness and everything, there's a delightful look at how silly some of this gender shit is because you know the poking fun at it and the the sort of way that it is by nature of being exclusionary because the binary system is they know that this is wrong so they make fun of it and it makes it really enjoyable to be like hey you're right this is funny because does it really matter blue pleather suits for un adolescent <laughs> children you know like mm. and i for that very reason thoroughly enjoy it because then they don't make any definitive statements that this is right or wrong that this is a truth that there are queer people and that this is a way that they could be i highly highly agree i think that this is an amazing piece i think that everybody should watch it it's definitely of its time but at the same time not in a way that for lack of a term pisses me off in the 2020 era it's it's just yeah. there's there's some things that are definitely of its time but at the same time it's really beyond its time as well so I recommend mm -hmm. everybody take a look at it. I recommend everybody watch it. It is on YouTube for free at the time of this recording. I don't know if that will change when I release this episode, but uh, mm -hmm. hi, like there is no cost to you to waste two hours just watching this movie. And it is absolutely, if you've never seen it before, you will fall in love with Natasha Lyonne. Uh, please watch this movie. <laughs> Uh, Please watch this. So, how can people find you on the internet if you want them to? Because you could tell me, no, do not find me on the internet. <laughs> That's fine too. <laughs> if you, if you want to find me on the internet, I am on the Instagrams, known as bitten.exe. I participate a lot in the arts of different varieties, uh, writing, theater. Um, podcasts like this. I enjoy working with all kinds of people. And for me, the, the need for people like us to do our thing, but also be taken as a seriously as a whole person, where that means that you can be serious or not serious. This is another reason why I, I love working with Ashley and talking about pieces like this, where in order to be a full person, you have to have like your serious moments, but you have to understand that, you know, something's are funny. There, there, there can be a lightheartedness to existing in a world like this. And um, we're here for it, and I'm here for it. If you want to find me, I'm on Instagram. If you want to come listen to more stuff with us, like you can be a Patreon on the Is It Transphobic uh, Patreon page. 
Yes, absolutely. That is patreon.com slash is it transphobic. Uh, I've made a concerted effort to try and actually take the Patreon seriously. I apologize if I have not in the past. I've always been very appreciative of everything that you do. Uh, but I'm, I'm working on trying to make that more of a thing. Uh, the way that you can follow me, Ashley, is at Lucretia Deer 4 on Twitter at L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R. And then the number four... Uh, and on Twitter, you can follow the Is It Transphobic podcast because I finally broke down and said, all right, I guess I need to make a Twitter for this, or I guess I need to make an Instagram for this. Uh, you can find us at Twitter or Instagram at Is It Transphobic. And yeah, this has been a really amazing conversation, and I really love this piece, and I'm so excited for you, if you haven't watched it, to please go out and watch it. God, I love But I'm a Cheerleader. <laughs> it's so good it's so good thank you so much for listening is it transphobic was produced edited and coordinated by ashley lauren rogers the original music you heard was all created by vivian aladrin who you can find on bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com <laughs>